Welcome to What's Next, the podcast where we talk to global leaders in hospitality and learn what's happening now and what's next for tomorrow. I'm your host, Tarek Mallet, founder and CEO at Moby, the digital partner of hospitality. In this episode, I chat with Anna Tibbetts, public relations specialist at Crumble, the fastest growing cookie company in the USA. Founded by Jason McGowan and Sawyer Hemsley, two cousins looking to combine their backgrounds in business and technology to form a unique and reliable brand. Three years and over 300 stores later, they've captured the hearts of cookie lovers across the US. And it discusses how the TikTok and Instagram famous brand create their award-winning cookie flavors based on input from their customers and followers on social media. She takes us through the role technology and social media has played in improving the in-store experience, as well as maintaining consistency as they open upwards of 18 new locations per month. I can't wait for you to hear this episode with Anna. Anna, an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And where are you joining us from today? I am joining you from Orem, Utah. Wow. Pretty exciting. Is that the home of Crumble? Yeah. So Crumble actually started in Logan, Utah. It's a town in the north part of the state. And we are now headquartered in Orem. It's the middle of the state. So pretty close to our origins, but uh, just a couple cities down. Amazing. And look, Crumble is one of America's fastest growing food brands ever. The franchise cookie company has gone from zero to an amazing 250 stores in 30 states in just four years. You've been at Crumble for a little over eight months. What attracted you to the brand? I imagine it's been a wild ride. Oh yeah, it's been crazy. I I hopped into Crumble right when we were kind of getting this crazy amount of momentum, which was very exciting. I knew that Crumble was a brand that had a really quality product. I knew that their brand was very aesthetic, very particular. They're very protective of the brand. And as a public relations professional, that was very attractive to me because, you know, in PR, you're representing your client or if you're in-house, you're representing the company. And I knew that Crumble was a brand that many, many people already loved and that there was a lot of potential for it to go even further and that it was a good, solid company to get in terms of, of morals and values and all of that. So that's what initiated the draw to it initially. Hypergrowth is probably an understatement. I'd love to go back to the start of the business. Can you give us some insights into the origin story? Yeah, of course. So Crumble was founded by two cousins, Jason McGowan and Sawyer Hemsley. And Jason had come from like a tech entrepreneur background and Sawyer was still in college. He was a senior at Utah State University and they were just brainstorming one day. They knew they wanted to go into business together. And as they were tossing around ideas, they settled on cookies. Sawyer, of course, was a college student. He know how much college kids love late night snacks. Um, He lived in Logan, Utah, which was a college town. And so they opened the first store in Logan, but they were not planning on it taking off the way that it has. It really was more of a side hustle to begin with. They just wanted to see what could happen. The first store exploded. People loved they couldn't keep up with the demand. People started asking for more flavors. And so flavors started being added to the menu. They decided they needed to open another location. And then that just snowballed. And the first few locations they had were actually owned by family members of Jason and Sawyer and friends. So it was a very tight knit beginning. And then that inspired the franchise model business that we have now. And we've just exploded since. Amazing getting the family involved and we'll talk about sort of the number of flavors and how you manage those as we talk. But I understand Jason started literally A-B testing the ingredients for the different cookie flavors. Yeah. So Jason and Sawyer knew that if they were going to do cookies, they wanted to do it right. They wanted to offer the best cookies in the world. And they knew that in order to find out what that was, the people who knew that are 
the people, right? The people who are going to be buying the cookies. And so they would take cookies, switch out one ingredient, whether it was the chocolate chips, the flour, the baking time even, and they would go to random people at gas stations, college campuses, public spaces, and have them test the cookies live. And they'd say, which one's better, A or B? And whatever won the votes, that's the ingredient they went with. And then they moved on to the next ingredient until they got to what today is our award-winning milk chocolate chip cookie. Wow. And why do you think the brand took off so quickly? Cookies are are synonymous with the industry. You've clearly struck a chord with the market. Yes, of course. So one term that we've kind of championed is the term hype cycle marketing. And so if you're familiar with Crumble, we have a lot of flavors, but we only offer six flavors a week. And typically two of those are milk chocolate chip and our chilled sugar. Those are usually our staples every single week. And then the other four rotate through our library of of flavor profiles. And we drop this every single week. And so every Sunday is like a mini reveal event. We've, We've been referred to as the Apple of cookie stores because of our brand and how it looks. And also because similar to Apple, we have these big reveal events where we drop a lineup, right? And similar to shoe and fashion companies. And it's this hype cycle where every week is a new cycle of hype because we have new flavors coming. Customers don't know what's coming up next week. We have seasonal and holiday moments where they wonder what kind of flavors are they coming out with for Halloween, for Christmas, whatever it might be. And in addition to that, the reason that our customer base has been so loyal is because we offer a really high quality product. Just like our milk chocolate chip cookie, the details taken in every cookie that we release is meticulous. And we also have a lot of elements to crumble that are very unique, like the rotating menu, like the different dessert or flavor profiles. And then also our in-store experience. All of our cookies are made fresh every single day, every single time. And that is something very unique to crumble. And in addition to the freshness, we have open concept kitchens where if you come into our store, you watch the cookies being made right in front of you from the very beginning, right? From cracking the eggs to balling the dough to dressing the cookie to putting it in the pink box and sending it away. So it's a very unique experience and we've been able to capitalize on the hype cycle mindset behind our products. That commitment to the brand and just the the guest experience all the way through to those pink boxes, which now you see people carrying them around and it's, it's obvious that they're a crumble box. And how did you think about that branding and setting up those stores? And Jason, from a tech background, where did that experience come from? Yeah, so they... Sawyer is a creative genius. He's very good at branding and marketing. That's what he majored in, right? And they knew that they wanted a brand that people could easily get behind that would be easily recognizable, as you've mentioned. And the color of our pink box was actually identified from a car that Sawyer and Jason saw. They're very into cars and they saw, I believe, at a car show and it was a pink Mustang. And Sawyer saw it and he said, that's it. That's the color. And so they got the, you know, the hex code and all that jazz behind the color and, and that decided for the brand. And with the brand overall, they wanted it to be something that was clear, that was clean, that was, again, recognizable. Because even besides just the pink box, when you go into a crumble store, it is very unique to crumble. It is very minimalistic, clean. It's white, black, and pink all over. And... That's something that that our customers have mentioned multiple times, that they love just the experience because you get to experience the brand, whether you're seeing a pink box, whether you're in the store. It's amazing you talk about Jason's got the tech background, Sawyer's got the the design and the branding background, and you 
you mentioned that it almost started as a side hustle and by mistake, but in hindsight, you look at these two skill sets and it's beautiful to see how it's come together. And Jason's not afraid to talk about wanting to dominate the market and be the number one cookie brand globally. How big do you think Crumple can get? You know, I think it can get as big as the people want it to be. So we really, our goal is to become really a household name, right? When people think of cookies, we want them to think of Crumble. You think of these products that have kind of taken over their respective niches, whether it's Ziploc bags, right? Everyone refers to those little baggies as Ziploc. When people think of cookies, we want them to think of Crumble. And currently we're opening 18 stores a month plus, sometimes it's more. And so we are still sustaining that growth rate that we've seen for the last year. It hasn't slowed down. I think Crumble is going to get as big as as the customers want it to be, because as long as there's a demand for it, we're going to do our best to fulfill that demand. And we're still seeing pockets of people across the nation who want crumbles where they're at, even if they're within a 30 mile radius, they're saying it's not close enough. I need a crumble closer to me. And so as long as that demand keeps up, we're just going to keep up with it. I can imagine a time where there's literally a crumble on every street corner. Oh, that would be a dream. That would be a dream. It sounds like that ambition and that drive is there, which is exciting. And you mentioned Jason comes from a background in technology. How has technology played a role in the success of Crumble? So technology is a huge deal for Crumble. I mean, we claim that we are a tech-driven bakery because if you go in our stores, you'll see there's iPads everywhere. You can order on the iPads. Our bakers are using iPads to look at recipes, to look at recipe videos. We have a very high-developed app that we use for our franchise partners because we're franchise-based. And within that app, we offer immediate assistance for our franchisees. We're able to make announcements company-wide. We're able to make pivots almost on a dime when we need to. So it's been crucial. It's been crucial for us, especially because a lot of what we do is also on social media. And so we need that tech for our bakery to be able to keep up with the demand and keep up with all of the twists and turns that the industry calls for. And, and with those changing flavors every week, I imagine technology helps make that a much more practical activity to be able to achieve. And it goes all the way through to sort of every business metric, doesn't it, is managed by technology, measured time, time to bake, etc. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah. And we also we were able to show our franchise partners the sales that we have for each store. And so all of the franchise partners have a gauge on how well the company is doing. And our business model definitely provides unique challenges with, like you said, the rotating menu. I mean, we basically have a new menu every single week and we actually now have 300 stores in 36 states. And so that's a lot of locations to be managing with all of these new menus, with sourcing, supply chain, all of that. And our tech allows this immediacy with our franchise partners that is essential for that operation to work the way that it does. Yeah, especially when you're scaling that fast, it's almost a, a must have. And getting back to that menu, how do you decide what new products to add and, and, and what flavors to have? So that's one of the funnest parts of being able to work at headquarters. So we have a genius vice president of research and development. She comes from a very long background of baking and pastries and all of that. And she comes up with a lot of the flavors, but we also are highly receptive to our customer base. And we get a lot of input on social media, in our DMs. We see people tweeting different ideas. We take all of those into account. And similar to our milk chocolate chip cookie that was tested AB before we released it, anytime we release a cookie onto our menu, it has been tested on all of the employees at headquarters first, which, you know, really tough part of my job, but we all get to test the cookies and give our feedback and our input. Um, And also if anyone at headquarters has ideas for flavors, we can just walk right up to our office and 
pitch it to her, you know, and say, have we tried this? Have we thought about this? We all appreciate that sacrifice you make in testing the cookies <laughs> for us. And it must be a, a tough part of the job. But in that guest yeah. experience as well, and that sort of links back to the marketing involving your customers in the business and making them feel like they're part of the journey as well. Yeah, exactly. And we really, I mean, our goal is to take pretty much every dessert you can imagine and pack it into cookie form. And so it's a mix of the flavors and the accuracy. And then also we take into account highly what the product is going to look like on social media, which is something a lot of companies don't really consider, right? When they're coming out with a food product, but that plays a huge part in it as well. And of course, what are, whatever our fans are saying on socials, even on cookies we've released before, if they're saying like, Hey, this is way too spiced or way too sweet, or we'd like it if it was chilled, we take all of that into account. I'd love to dig into marketing a little bit while we're on the subject. And you're known for wanting to be that Instagrammable brand and got those social channels and you've invested really heavily in TikTok. And I understand you only started in February this year, but you've already amassed over 2 million followers in little over two months and with something like 26 million likes. I'd love to dig into your TikTok strategy a little bit more and, and how that came about. TikTok and Crumble, the merger there was really, I mean, very natural and kind of a beautiful thing to witness. So we posted our first video that went viral in February. It was one of our flavor drop videos that we post every week and it got a million views overnight. And we immediately saw that and went, okay, you know, there's something here. There's potential here. There's a market here that we can fill. And so we started posting not only our weekly drop videos, but we started making videos of each flavor, the videos of of these flavors being made in the kitchen. So whether it's our midnight mint or s'mores cookie or our snickerdoodle, we would show kind of a more in-depth spotlight video on each of these flavors and post them throughout the week in addition to our Sunday drop. The thing about TikTok that works really well for Crumble is that creators on TikTok are looking for content that is aesthetic and that is replicable. And something that started off organically was this hashtag trend called Crumble Review. You may have seen it. It kind of blew up on TikTok and then also made its way onto Instagram a little bit. But these creators would come Monday morning, right? Right when our stores opened, they would get the new box of flavors and they'd get most of the time just right in their cars and they would film themselves trying the cookies and ranking them and saying which ones were their favorite, what they liked, what they didn't like. And all these other creators jumped on this bandwagon and we suddenly had this trending hashtag of people trying our cookies every single week. Where we were providing this flavor drop video, all of these creators could then supplement that with their own input and their own opinions. And it made it easy for these creators who are looking for content anyway, right? Because that's what they do. And for us to be handing them that content every single week, it was a very cool thing to watch that merger. We have presence on all platforms, right? Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. It's been very fun to see how quickly TikTok took off. Yeah, I understand even the timing of those videos that you put out has become a thing with people getting agitated if they're not released on time every week. <laughs> yes, yes. People, we, we've had people tell us that their families will get together on Sunday night at 6 p.m. And as a family, they will watch the flavor drop video. And so it's been very fun and rewarding to see that our product has become part of everyone's lives, whether it's with families or friends, and they will, they will get very anxious if it doesn't drop right at 6 p.m. I know there will be a lot of listeners that are struggling with all of the different social channels and which ones to invest in. What's your advice for those listeners wanting to get into TikTok and how to start that journey? That's a great question. I would say if you're wanting to get into TikTok specifically, of course, think about 
again, the content that you're going to be releasing. Think about the trends that are going on. It's always, I mean, these are basics, but use trending audio, use the trends that people are using on other creator accounts. Humor is a big thing. I mean, social media can really do the heavy lifting for you when it comes to this. If you show that you are a brand that has a personality behind it, right? It's not just a product, but it's a brand that can show that it's in tune with trends and with users and creators. And you're not afraid to have a little flexibility and mobility there. I think that's key for TikTok because so much of it is trending content. And then also making content that creators are going to want to join in on, that they feel like they can be a part of. That's essential that humor, that authenticity of your videos when you watch it, they're not overproductionized. I'm not sure whether you've got agencies involved or not, but it all feels very, very authentic. And do you lean on others outside the industry to support with those or is it all in-house? It's all in-house. We have an amazing creative team and they make all of the videos come up with all the strategy and all the content and, and they kill it as you've seen. It's amazing. You've even got a Reddit fan page, which is amazing at this stage. I'd love to touch back on that growth. And you talked about 300 plus franchise stores now, 36 states, many more opening every week. And I believe still without one failure, which is a massive achievement. How have you approached that franchise model? Because I know it's something that a lot of people struggle with to take that business from those first family owned stores to branching out not only to franchise, but at such a scale that you've achieved. I love that question because that is such a big issue for a lot of people. So we started out by utilizing Instagram quite a bit when we started. And so people, again, social media did the heavy lifting for us. People already heard about our brand before they'd even tried our product, right? We had that exposure level. And the key to having a successful franchise model business is to bring on franchise partners who are just as passionate and invested in the brand as you are and as the founders are and as the corporate side of the brand is. A lot of franchise businesses will take on franchisees who have the financial resources they need, which is great, or who have the experience in franchising, which is great. But the real secret sauce to our success and to having 300 stores without one failure is we highly, highly vet our franchise partners. Before we bring on a franchise partner, we have to know that they were Crumble fans before they even considered opening a Crumble, right? These are people who are passionate about the cookies, passionate about the quality of the cookies, are willing to be in the store, getting their hands dirty, being engaged in the work and not, you know, not distantly involved or kind of unattached. Like our franchise partners are in the weeds helping the store succeed. And that has been key to our success and to that whole no failure streak that we've had with our franchisees. And again, that's that advantage of social as well. I understand you haven't had to advertise for franchisees. They're coming to you with the passion and the excitement and the want to open up a store. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we have a wait list of franchisees and we've never had to advertise or do any kind of outreach, which has been really great for us. I read somewhere that your growth is meticulously planned. You have a map of the US pitted with sort of every potential store. How do you select those locations? And you mentioned earlier on in the conversation, just you can almost not have stores too close together. How do you think about that? We, again, the franchise partners is a big part of that. If we have franchise partners in a location, we'll obviously more highly consider that location if they're good candidates. And then also we pay attention to our fans and our customers and we take note of where there's a demand for a bakery, right? If we get thousands of people on TikTok who are begging for a New Jersey bakery, then obviously we know 
New Jersey needs a crumble, right? And so we pay attention to the demands that we see, whether it's on socials or otherwise. And then also, again, that locality, being able to have store owners who are home-based. A lot of our stores are in more rural areas. That's because these franchise partners, I mean, that's their home, right? That's where they're based. That's where they're at. And we really lean into that and use that to their advantage and our advantage. The data must play such a key role and be such a huge advantage that when you open one of these stores, you almost know invariably that it's going to be successful because you've got two or 3,000 committed customers already willing to get into those cookies. And the fact that that menu is changing every week, and I can imagine the excitement at six o'clock on a Sunday night when those new flavors are released and the queues the next morning for everybody coming in to try them. Oh, yes. Monday mornings have become a crazy time for all of our bakeries for a very good reason, but especially Especially with our grand openings, when we open a new store, the stores, I mean, for the first month at least, are just slammed. We've had crazy, crazy openings with all of our stores, and it's because they've seen us on socials, and it's because they see the drop. And so, yeah, our grand openings and Monday mornings, equally crazy every single week. And must give such a buzz to those new franchisees as well when they're opening that store and those first couple of months of excitement and plans to expand internationally? We don't really know what's next for Crumble. We... If the demand is there, then of course we will consider it, but it's nothing nothing solid in the works yet. And speaking of what's next for Crumble, Crumble itself and the industry as a whole, what are the trends and innovations that you're starting to see in the industry and what do you think the next two to three years look like? We're just going to keep, again, just keep growing. I know that I feel like that's repetitive with Crumble. We're just going to keep on growing. We plan on keeping the growth rate that we have currently, which again is about 18 stores plus a month for the next you know, few months at least. And so that's going to really build a lot of stores across the nation. And we're just going to keep stretching and pushing ourselves to come up with more flavors, to be able to bring more loyalty to our fan base and our customer base. A trend or innovation that I've personally seen in the hospitality realm that I think a lot of people will want to jump on is input. People are valuing input right now to an unheard of level, right? They're seeing what their friends are talking about. They're seeing what people are talking about in the comments, whether it's on socials or otherwise. They want to know what other people think of a product or a service before they invest in that product or service. And so again, coming up with a product that people will talk about, that people will take the time to engage with is a trend that Crumble will continue to capitalize on. And anyone who's looking to get into this industry would be very wise to also capitalize on. Yeah, and I think that's certainly when we're talking to brands is that whole guest input is becoming such a huge, almost a shift change. The consumer is so much more involved in the brands and you almost ignore them at your own peril and Crumble clearly has has embraced that, having amazing results from it. And look, I guess to close this conversation and the question I'm sure all of our listeners are, are wanting the answer to, of the 170 plus flavors, have you landed on a favorite yet? Oh, this is my favorite question. I have to be high maintenance with my answer here because there's a couple of categories. I can't pick one cookie. If it's a chocolate cookie, the double fudge brownie is my favorite. If it's a fruity cookie, the key lime pie. And we also just have some kind of wacky flavors. And of the wacky flavors, our cornbread is my favorite. So of those three, it's a close tie. I'm impressed you've managed to get it down to just three. I know. (laughs) Look, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for your time, your insights, and for sharing Crumble's amazing journey with us today. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. For more episodes and great conversations with industry leaders, head to mobihq.com.